Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Los Angeles, and welcome to the world, little baby Christensen. Surprise, everyone, especially to me, (laughs) that she came early. So, okay, baby, well, first of all, tell everyone her name. So, her name is Zoe Simone Christensen. (gasps) Simone. Where does Simone come from? It was just a name that both of us really liked. It was on our short list for her first name. And, but Matt like really, really loved that name. And um, that's why we, yeah, it made the cut for middle name. It was just weird. It was weird. We like had, we were in the hospital for two days, two days. And so like we waited till the very end to fill out her like birth certificate because we wanted to be sure. And we were like, maybe at that point, we were also just like tired and delirious. We're like, that sounds really nice. We'll just go with that. (laughs) And then Zoe, I've always really loved. Um, It means life in Greek. I love it. And I also feel like, I don't know, it's just, it. it, it, Christensen is such a long last name. So Zoe felt right. And she looked like a Zoe when she came out. I love it. I love it. She's beautiful. She's the cutest, most beautiful baby, baby model, if I may say. Gerber hit us up. Yeah, she could be a future hand model, I think. I sent Bettina, our friend, our dear friend Bettina Goldstein, photos of her hands because she has really nice long nail beds and fingers. <gasps> oh, I know. Cute little phalanges going. Yeah. I'm like, this is not even remotely the same, but now that I have Quinn, I'm like figuring out ways to like model beauty products with Quinn. So I feel like that's going to be you with Zoe. Oh my God, totally. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I did that with Ollie, but he's definitely not as uh, dainty as as Quinn is. Although she already looks like she's oh, dainty. put on a few pounds. She's so big now. I know. She's growing. It's like making me so sad. I'm like, why aren't you a little tiny small? So cute. I loved her picture with the, all the Emmys. I know. Patrick busts out the Emmys like one day a year. As he should. So by the way, everyone, I didn't like force Sarah into recording the podcast. Okay. Like this woman is I wanted to do this. Wanting to be I was like, you really don't have to do this. Um, but she wanted to. So I people are bringing like all of our listeners have been so sweet sending me messages. I haven't had a chance to respond to like any messages um because we're trying to keep this child alive and figuring out how that works <laughs> currently. But um I just also wanted to come on and yeah, say thank you to everyone for being so sweet and supportive and um, we're all doing really great and we'll share lots of photos soon. But yeah, and also just to like talk about what's going to happen because I think people have been asking us if we were going to take a break and, um, you know, do a little hiatus. But 
we are Capricorn, so we planned ahead a little bit. We did. So we planned ahead our Friday's episodes. And anybody that's listening that's like at an agency or in-house at a brand, you have probably gotten this email from us. Sorry, we're booked out through November um, because we pre-recorded all of our guest episodes. So Sarah, I don't know if you want to explain, but yeah, Zoe wasn't, her due date's October 1st. So her due date was October 1st. And then she's been like, Frank breach this whole time, like she has didn't flip. So we scheduled a C-section for September 28th. And I had a feeling she was going to come like a little early, which so did you, you guessed that she would come early, but I didn't know she was Mm going to come that early. Like I literally had my doctor's appointment. We got her scanned and everything and she was looking good. And I like didn't have any, you know, major contractions or anything. And then the next morning at like 4 a.m., I mean, I texted you from the hospital and you were like, what? The-? First of all, I was up all night with Quinn trying to get her crate trained. So I was sleeping in. But it, what's funny is like when you were telling me you were like up and like, oh, shit, I think I like should take off my nail polish. I was up with Quinn like you literally could have texted me then. And then I fell asleep for like five I hours. So when I woke up. I saw Matt had posted an Instagram photo, which was literally like my heart melted, just like the sweetest of like Sarah and her little red (laughs) bathing suit. And he's like, you know, epitome of grace and love. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy is so sweet. But then that kind of triggered something in me like, did she have the baby? And yeah, I had all these text messages from different people. And like one of the first ones was from Sarah. And she was like, hey, so don't think I can record today. I'm like at the hospital. And it was like a photo of her in the hospital bed at like six something in the morning. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I message her back like, are you shitting me? And she's like, nope. And just like sends a photo of like Zoe, like just on her boob, like ready to go. I'm like, oh, my it God. It happened so fast. So like I was thinking that it was going to be like a whole planned thing. You know, we had the date picked out and everything because I all of my friends who have had babies in the past few months, they've either been late or like they've induced, like scheduled like to be induced. Like no, no one has gone early, which, so I figured like for your first baby, I don't know if they, they come late. Um, but maybe she just, mm-hmm. it was this position that she was in or whatever, but she was very excited to come out. So yeah, I woke up at like four in the morning and I was like, Oh, like my, these feel like contractions, but I don't really know. I'm not really sure. And then I went to take a pee break and it was like the whole, they call it like the bloody show or whatever, where it's just like, you basically like have a little bit of blood in your discharge, mm. but it could also signal, it doesn't mean that you're going to go into labor right away. Yeah. It could mean that you're going to go into labor in the next few days or whatever. So I was like, okay, so maybe this is just like, you know, signaling like next few days. So, but then I also started panicking because I had only like packed half of my hospital bag. Like I didn't pack any of my toiletries. And then I also had chipped polish because I was supposed to get my nails done that day. So I was like, okay, well, if anything happens, like I need to take my nail polish off because it's going to look gross. And then I started like walking around the house at like 4.30 in the morning, like taking my nail polish off and like slowly packing my toiletries. And then I went to the bedroom and then water just came out of my fucking <gasps> vagina and I was like okay I think that my water broke and Matt was just like all right we gotta go and poor Ollie he's just like 
awake at like 4 30 be like what the fuck is going on <laughs> like just so stressed <laughs> out because we're just like throwing shit in bags and i was like i'm gonna take my augustinus butter cream like like what oh like- my god oh my god oh my god wait what so what did ollie like what did y'all do with ollie so luckily um our really good friends anthony and laura who are like his favorite people in the world they have a french bulldog who's like his favorite frenchie in the world um they knew that they were going to take care of him whenever this happened. But um, so we just like left him at home and hit a key and they just picked him up in the morning. So we texted um, in the morning, but um, so yeah, so like it happened within like, we were out of the, out of the house by like five. And in the meantime too, I had a nail appointment on, on Friday. And then I had, I, I messaged on so that I could get my hair cut on Sunday. Right. Oh Remember I told you? Yes. So I like spent the car ride to the hospital which is a total of 10 minutes i texted dime i texted Kristen at dime nails i was like not gonna make it sorry i'm going to labor i texted on because i was oh like i don't God. know what i'm like if i'm gonna like remember and i was like so sorry <laughs> i'm going into labor i texted kara because i had a story that's doing a lore and i was like i'm not gonna be able to turn it in i just like i ran through my list of like things that i like needed to do and finish and things that I owe. Like, I was like, shit, I didn't get Kirby all the assets for our fucking podcast. Anyways, then we get to the hospital and like, it was like out of a full like movie experience where I thought my water broke at home. But when we were walking through the hospital doors, it was like a flood. Like I just like all over my sandals and like the hospital floor is so gross and then they wheeled me into the room and then I had like um everyone was so sweet at um it's uh we were at Providence St. John's in Santa Monica okay so then they checked me into a room and I started having like contractions like real contractions which I didn't think I was going to have because I thought it was going to be all scheduled c-section like Posh Spice, who apparently all of her all of her deli- or babies were delivered by C-section. Oh wow! She's like too posh to push, is what they said, <laughs> which I had no idea. Makes sense. So I was thinking, like, I was like, oh, it's, I like almost feel like I'm cheating because I'm not gonna be able to like you know do the whole thing. But then like I for- fully had like contractions, and I was like, holy shit, just get this baby out of me! Oh my god! Um, did you get it? Did you get an epidural or anything? So with the C-section, they give you a spinal uh-huh. tap. Uh, it's like not a spinal tap. A spinal tap? Okay, spinal tap, um, which is like basically a stronger epidural because oh. they're cutting into you yeah. and you you don't, you, you, you don't want to feel any of that. Yeah. So so basically they pushed me up because Mia is my you know, doctor and she knows people and was like – but also she was like, okay, we need to just get, get this baby out of you. So yeah, so it was really fun. <laughs> We were in the operating room and Mia, who I don't know if everyone knows, she's like one of my best friends and also my doctor. And then her friend, um, who I have become friends with, was the other doctor assisting her. Oh. So it was like her, Mia and Candace. And then, yeah, they, so they, they basically just put a curtain up, you know, they gave me the spinal tap, get, put the little curtain up and Matt was next to me. And oh. um, she was literally out within like 15 minutes. It was a super fast procedure, and then they sew sew you back up. Wow. So are you in pain or anything? I am. Yeah. It feels like – it's just like feels like I can't stand up right Mm -hmm. straight. Mm -hmm. So like I just need like a lot of support in my back because 
and it's, I mean, it's like a major surgery. So they give you a lot of pain medication and it takes a little bit longer to recover versus like a vaginal delivery. Which is so crazy to me because I would think a vaginal delivery would be like way. Oh my God, totally. More intense. I think it just all depends. Like if like, I mean, (laughs) when you and Patrick have a baby, like I have a feeling it's going to be a big tall baby so like oh great thanks really appreciate that one wow uh well, if, great. If I, there's no way that if i would have delivered zoe vaginally i'm pretty sure i would have i would have torn up like massively because she was seven pounds six ounces which is big for like me well, and yeah, she, for you. And, and she has like a huge head. Well, so, and that's funny though, because my mom is like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and yeah. she had me and I was looking at Zoe, I, I, mom, if you're listening, correct me, but I was like seven pounds, like seven ounces and yeah. like 19 and a half inches or something like that. Oh, totally. That's same exact as yeah. Zoe. She's nine, she was 19 inches, right? Oh, 19 and a half. You guys are the same. So, um, I like, but for my mom, like, that's fine. But like you, like Patrick has even said, it looks like you were carrying yourself in your belly. <laughs> like that's, it's like, that's a huge yeah. baby for Sarah. So she would, it would have been hard. She also like, yeah, there were like, there were just so many reasons why I'm like really grateful that we ended up having the C-section. Cause I just, I don't know that like we could have, you know, tried to flip her mm. and then it would have just probably ended up in the same way, you know, like laboring for hours and then having C-section. So anyways, um, she is perfect. She is and perfect. so cute. And we are, as everyone always says about the babies that they have, are so in love with her. It's like, it's just, I texted you and I was like, we're so obsessed with her. And like, all we want to do is stare at her. And then I'm also like, what the, f-? like, how did we just make this? And she was just in me like last week. It's just so crazy. I think the most important thing that we need to note here is that she is a Virgo, not a Libra. So apparently that Virgos like to take things into their own hands. Yes. This this is very much a Virgo baby. Um, You know, listen, I love my fellow, not my fellow, I'm not a Libra, but I have many Libras around me who I love very, very much. But I have to say, I am an earth sign stan. So I'm especially yeah. thrilled that we have a little tiny Virgo on our hands. I'm really excited too. I really, I thought she was going to be a Libra, which again, like you said, I would have been very pleased with, but I feel like Virgos align with us very much. Yes. I have many a Virgo in my life. My brother is a Virgo. Like five of my best friends are Virgos, just Virgos everywhere. You got a new Virgo BFF right here. I know. Little it's- Zoe. So precious, so precious. <laughs> Literally the cutest baby I've ever seen. Oh, I'm obsessed sweet. with her. I can't, I wait, can't to wait to kiss her little face. You guys to meet her. She's gonna oh, be so cute. It's gonna be so fun. Um, okay, so all of that being said, Sarah, you we've gone past our quick 10 minute chat, but that's okay. I, I feel like well, it's more like checking in with you too. Do you want to tell everybody what was on your face for delivery? Okay, well, I feel bad. I texted um. I texted Jess White from Rare Beauty, our friend Jess, obviously, and I was like, okay, so I lied to Selena because I had no time to put makeup on. I had no glam on. The only thing I – luckily, my sweet Zoe allowed me to get my lashes done. Thank God. Wednesday. So She's a real one. Bless that. I had lashes. (laughs) Um, I brought 
one of the things that I remember bringing was the the agave lip mask because it's so 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 dry. From that I just remember slathering that on really quickly, and then I washed my face that morning with the Tatcha rice cleanser, cleanser, soft cream cleanser, and I put some of the Augustinus butter rich cream, and I was like, I think I'm good for. I think I'm good for now. That that's an expensive mug for birth. There we go. So we'll put Sarah's favorites up on the website for her birth plan. Um, Today's episode is a little bit different. So initially, we were going to have an episode on Friday that was more narrative focused. So instead of it being a conversation, Sarah and I were going to outline everything you need to know about menopause. October is Menopause Awareness Month. And, you know, Sarah and I are both 33. We're not about to go through menopause, but we felt it was an important topic to tackle because we kind of want to break the stigma around menopause in general. Yeah. And I also think that there's so many of us who approach it and just have no idea. Like, I mean, I have no idea. Well, I had no idea either. And we spoke with Dr. Taz Varkey, who's a gynecologist. She's my gynecologist. And she's going to outline today everything you need to know about your body and like what's actually happening there. And then on Friday, we'll have the companion episode with Dr. Zenovia, who is an amazing dermatologist based in Orange County. She actually is launching a line at Sephora that focuses on hormonal acne um, and really targeting from that aspect. And she was just, she's just a wealth of information. And Sarah, she sends your, um, sends you congratulations. Um, I actually had an interview with her on Friday. She needs to come back on the podcast. She, she's just one of the yeah, most. Yeah, we are like Instagram friends, and I am so bummed that I wasn't able to um, be a part of that interview. But I'm so excited to listen to it. She's gonna cover everything skincare wise that happens to you when you are going through menopause. So things that you can. Uh, get ahead of, things that you should be using, um, things that you should maybe stay away from, and then also like treatments and prescriptions and things like that. So we're tackling it from the body and from the skin as well. Um, We just feel like they're you know, Sarah and I talk about this when our moms went through menopause. Like the first thing we would say was like, oh yeah, my mom's crazy. She's going through menopause. And it's like such a terrible way to speak of somebody going through such a huge transition because it's not just like one year you go through menopause and then you're done. It's like an ongoing situation, which you'll hear more about. Yeah. And then too, like, I feel like, well, when you saw my mom at my baby shower and we were talking to her about that and she was like, yeah, I was totally crazy. It's like, because if you yourself aren't educated about it either, then you just literally think you're losing your mind. Oh yeah. And my mom would probably say the exact same thing. Like she, that's not a time that I think anybody like wishes upon anyone between the hot flashes and, you know, you feel like you don't even look like yourself at some points. This episode today, we'll be talking about what's actually going on with our bodies during menopause. Listen to it if you are about to approach it. Listen to it if you know somebody that's about to approach it or is going through it. I think just having a little bit more understanding and empathy for, you know, us as women and something that we're going to go through is really important. And then on Friday, we'll hit all the skincare aspects of it too. Amazing. What a what a hormonal episode today is. So many hormones. Hormones. <laughs> ever. Have you been crying a lot? Have you been crying yeah. at all? Oh my God. So much. So much crying. Just really? Like, I randomly like think of something or I'll look at her and then I'll just like start to cry. <laughs> Or like yesterday, 
I was watching the Lakers game and then they interviewed like Anthony Davis talking about like making the game winning shot and I like got super emotional for him. <laughs> you know what I was going to tell you? It's really um it's kind of incredible because like if the Lakers end up winning the championship like this year, like a couple weeks after Zoe's born, that would be such a like a marquee year for you and Matt. I really, really, yeah. I that's I had I I thought maybe she wanted to come early so she could watch the first game of the series. She totally or, did. She's a little basketball game. baby. It was the first game, yeah, and we won. So, and then there was also an earthquake, which she is. I I was like texting Sarah, like, oh my god, <laughs> Zoe. I was breastfeeding, and I was like, then. The hospital's like on rollers, so we literally <gasps> were just like moving for so long. And I was like, is this where we like die too? Like what the fuck? I don't know. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We're going to let Sarah go be mommy again. Yeah, I got to – I just live to breastfeed these days. Living to breastfeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, enjoy this episode with Dr. Taz Varkey. And um, I'm going to put all of Dr. Varkey's information on our website. She has this really incredible series that she's doing to help educate people um, online in all aspects of gynecology, not just menopause. So if you are interested in that, you can visit our website, www.glossangelespod.com. And if you love Los Angeles, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we get, the more people are likely to see the pod and listen to us and subscribe. Oh, also, aren't we on Amazon Music now? We just got on Amazon Music too. So if you use Amazon Music, you can say, whatever, Alexa, play Los Angeles and they'll play <laughs> they'll play our That's episode. so cool. I'm totally going to do that. We're right so going to do that. All right, everyone. We will talk to you on Friday. Hi, Dr. Varky. Hi, Dr. Varky. Hi. I love when we have doctors on the pod. Same, <laughs> same. So um, for those of y'all listening, we obviously gave Dr. V her intro before we are diving into this interview, but she is my gynecologist. I found her just by chance. Do you know this? That I literally just Googled like great gynecologists in Los Angeles and you popped up, and I was like, fine, sold. And that's how I found you. Um, <laughs> so uh, way to go, Google. Well, thank God for the internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, Dr. Varkey is the reason why I am on my IUD, which, by the way, I need to come see you soon. Did you know I'm approaching five years? This is so personal oh to be talking gosh, about on the busted. internet. You're busted. Are you late? <laughs> I, know, I know. Five years? How do you know it's working, Kirby? <laughs> well, the Mirena lasts for five years. They say, oh, yes, you know, did. Dr. V told me okay. I'm a good listener. She said, okay, five years, we might have to take it out and replace it depending on what you want to do with, you know, child planning and things like that. But it's going to be five years next February, Dr. V. So I probably should come in soon. You're good. You're good. Good? Okay. You should okay. do your checkups and all that fun stuff, and then we can talk about it, right? Okay. Okay. That works for me. That works for me. <laughs> okay. So we are talking about uh, menopause on today's episode. And, um, you know, what do you think is the biggest misconception people in general have with menopause? Um, you know, I see a lot of women who don't quite understand what menopause is, like how they know if they're in it. So people come in, women come in and they'll be experiencing, I guess the one of the most commonly understood symptoms is hot flashes. And because they're experiencing some hot flashes, they're, they've decided they're in menopause. Um, but that's not always true. So the definition of menopause is the lack of your period for one year straight um, 
And there are some lab tests that would help confirm, but generally in a woman who's around age 50, when she misses her period for one year straight, it's almost always, that's menopause. But for many years prior to when that happened, and the average age of that in the US is 51. So for many years prior to when that happens, women can start noticing some of the same symptoms. They might get hot flashes or night sweats, and we can talk in a minute about some of the other symptoms. That's perimenopause. And that can happen for up to 10 years before they actually go through menopause, right? Not everybody's that far behind. I mean, it's not that long for everyone. It can be just a few years before age 51 or whatever their age is of going through the official transition. But but they're actually in perimenopause, not menopause. Okay. When I was doing research on menopause, I did read that, you know, that it could start as early as, you know, 10 years before, which is really, really interesting. Right. Would you say that like most of the clients that you end up seeing are around like 50, 51 though? Um, yeah, that's the average age. Uh, but they might come okay. into me at age 45 because their periods have started changing in patterns. Or like I said, there's other symptoms. Like maybe they're having some vaginal dryness or night sweat, sleep disturbance, they're having trouble sleeping. Have you ever had a client that has gone into menopause like prematurely? Many, I have actually, and this is a good good point that you bring up. I have an 18 year old actually, I've had 24 year olds. And this is not to scare the pants off of all of your listeners who are all now gonna run in and think that they're going through menopause if they miss a period. <laughs> That's rarely the cause of a young woman missing her okay. period, but it is something that needs to be included in the workup. So if I have a young woman who comes in who's starting to skip periods or has had no periods for a, you know many months, then that's that we do include that testing. What what causes you to have menopause at that at such a young age? So there's so there's a good percentage of the cases that are just unexplained, but some of it is genetic. So there's genetic mutations like fragile X. Um, there's an inheritable condition called fragile X in which um, women can just be carriers of this mutation, but carriers can experience premature um, menopause. There are autoimmune conditions that can cause it. Um, sometimes there's it's due to medications. Let's start from the beginning for people who don't know anything about menopause. What exactly is happening to a woman's body when they first start experiencing menopause? You're born with all the eggs you're ever going to have, right? So we all have millions of eggs and they age with us. And as you guys know, you probably heard, they kind of get older as we get older. And then at around age 51, the ovaries, the, the eggs have kind of started to age out and the ovaries stop making estrogen and progesterone. And that reduction in the production of estrogen and progesterone, it basically plummets down to zero eventually, um, that's menopause. When you stop ovulating and you stop, and therefore, because when you ovulate, it, that's, it's the process of ovulation that helps create estrogen and progesterone. So when you stop ovulating, you stop making estrogen and progesterone. And then the lack of estrogen is one of the primary drivers of the most common symptoms of menopause. Um, I also have a quick follow-up to something you said earlier. You said that in the United States, the average age of a woman who experiences menopause is, at, is 51. Correct. Is that Does that differ around the world? That's a good question. And it must, or that, that wouldn't be a number we quote. I don't know. I'm sure it doesn't differ by that much, but I don't. I don't actually know statistics for other countries, but but yeah, it must. Okay, no worries. You touched on this a little bit, Dr. V, but what ex what symptoms? You know, you talked about the lack of period for a year. You've talked about hot flashes, but is there something that happens? Maybe let's say you're going on three months without a period at this point. 
is that is there a few other things that are happening in conjunction that the bells might start going off like huh maybe this is what's what's happening okay right so and you mean in addition to missing your period are there other symptoms that would tip us off that this is menopause right so hot flashes during the day night sweats at night um sleep disturbance well let me say this is how I explain to my patients. I divide it into two main categories, primary symptoms and secondary symptoms. So the primary symptoms are hot flashes, night sweats, and something we call genitourinary syndrome of menopause, meaning, and you guys are gonna love this, lots to look forward to, that the vagina gets um, drier because there's not as much estrogen. So it, the vagina is an elastic organ, right? We can deliver, it can pop out a baby. Um, so it can really stretch, but th that's all fueled by estrogen. So when we lose estrogen, the vagina loses its elasticity. And so women can start noticing dryness or even pain with sex and sometimes urinary symptoms like having to go to the bathroom more often, getting up at night to pee, maybe even losing a little bit of urine. Um, and these are things that women are like ashamed to talk about or bring up, but they're all mediated by that drop in estrogen. So sometimes patients will come in and they'll just say, you know, I, I'm noticing vaginal dryness and they might be 45 and they're still having regular periods and no hot flashes or night sweats. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe this is just the beginning for you. Let's let's think about that. How, so how long are you going through menopause? How long is the process? Oh, well, it differs for everyone, right? The best way to answer that is like, you know, one year of no period, you're, you're, you've gone through menopause, but then the question would be how long do these symptoms last? right? So it depends on which symptoms. So again, I, I talked about the primary symptoms, hot flashes, night sweats, but secondary symptoms are things like skin changes, hair changes, um, weight gain, changes in weight distribution, brain fog, um, mood changes. These changes, you know, they can start for a few years prior and last for several years afterwards. Generally, let's say three to five years um, on average before and after. It can be as long as 10 years before and after or as short as one year. Um, and some people don't have any symptoms, you know, don't have any of a lot of this drama. I mean, usually somebody, people will have minor components of it, but it's important to emphasize that not everybody has severe hot flashes or night sweats. Is menopause similar to like getting your period and that it can be like genetic, like you can look to see when your mom went through menopause and that's maybe an indication of when you might experience it? Not usually, unless there's one of those genetic components I mentioned earlier that that might drive someone towards premature menopause, like chromosome abnormalities or genetic mutations. Um, so that might be inheritable. In general, I don't think the age of your mom is necessarily gonna dictate when it's gonna happen to you. I'm curious, you know, you've been practicing for a while. Have you noticed any substantial changes in women over the years when it comes to menopause? Like, I, I, I don't even know what I'm exactly asking you, Dr. V, but I'm just curious, like, have you noticed like, oh, huh, in the past, you know, X years, more people are experiencing this or this never used to happen before? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think the body has has functioned the same all these years, you know, if there were any observations to be made, it might be based on environmental changes. So like, are we now eating more meat? Are we having more processed food? Are we, you know, drinking more alcohol? All of these things, all whatever foods and substances we put in our body are going to affect the way it functions, right? And a lot of animal products have hormones in them. So then that in turn may affect, maybe it'll delay. I don't have any data to prove this, but it's potentially it could delay or mitigate your symptoms in some way if you're eating 
food with more hormones, things like that. But, but it's not something that I've noticed. I think the only change I've noticed is that women seem, and probably thanks to shows like yours or podcasts like yours, are more confident in bringing it up. They're not ashamed of it as much, and they shouldn't be, right? And they're more comfortable bringing asking about it and making appointments to discuss it. So I like, I'm, that makes me happy. <laughs> Good. Let's talk about relief. Like, let's, let's talk about some things that women yeah, can like yeah. not look forward to per se, but things that they can do to offer some relief. Like when some, you know, when I eventually come to you and I'm going through menopause, like what would you tell me in terms of, okay, here are a few things that you should start doing, start taking looking into things like that. So I'm going to try to make some distinctions between um, evidence-based recommendations and um, things that people try because, you know, it's offered on the media or whatever, right? So, okay. So the, um, there are for mild symptoms and it depends on which symptoms, right? So let's just, I keep talking about hot flashes and night sweats because those are some of the more common, but some women don't have that and they just have vaginal dryness, right? So then I'm going to tailor my therapy for them. But in general, if your symptoms are more like the hot flashes and night sweats, behavioral changes are the first things we recommend. So dressing in layers, always having a fan on, not having a big quilt over your bed, you know, on your bed, right? You're going to just have light sheets. Those are really important behavioral modifications that can make a big difference and then may obviate the need for hormones in some patients or other therapies. For women who come in complaining of weight gain and you know they start saying like it's harder to lose weight now and you know they've done studies that show that women who between age 40 to 50 if they change nothing they're eating the same and they're working out the same or they have same level of activity they'll gain a pound a year for the 10 years right so that's what i'm hearing from women when they come in one of their bigger excuse me complaints and i always explain to them you know we do have studies that show that high intensity interval training or hit training those kind of exercises really are the best for this age range in terms of combating that weight gain. And yeah, you have to be a little bit more careful about what you're eating. There's not as much forgiveness as when you were in your 30s. And as you guys know, there's not as much forgiveness when you, as when you were in your 20s, right? Like our metabolism changes. Dietary modification, exercise, definitely women who exercise regularly experience fewer hot flashes and night sweats. But if all that doesn't work and the, and the symptoms are moderate to severe, then estrogen replacement, because estrogen's the one, the thing that's missing that triggers a lot of this, is the one thing that's most likely going to help with the systemic side effects. So side effects that have affect you all over your body, like hot flashes, night sweats, mood changes, skin changes. You have to take estrogen that's just distributed everywhere. But if your main complaint was just vaginal dryness or pain with sex, well then, then we can give you vaginal estrogen that's not really absorbed to a significant degree into your body, but just locally helps you. That's so interesting about the HIIT workouts specifically. Yeah. Is that like a new yeah. finding? No, not that I know of. I mean, you know, maybe in the last few years, I've been hearing a lot about it. You know, I don't know that it was like a large randomized control trial, but I've heard, I've seen enough small studies to show, to support the fact that HIIT, HIIT high intensity interval training is better for women in their 40s and 50s who are trying to combat weight and manage their, their body type or whatever. Uh, this question is, uh, I, I'm just going to say it's from my sister. She, I hope she's going to be yeah. like so embarrassed that I'm going to ask. She won't mind. I don't know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> she wanted to know, and this might be something that her and her friends have discussed before, but um, do you recommend taking any supplements that can help with hot flashes that she's worried that some supplements have like side effects that could like cause cancer or, you know, they – 
there are these things that she has read. So do you recommend to your patients that they take anything to help with any of these symptoms that they're experiencing? Yeah, thanks for asking that question because I was actually going to include that and I forgot. The thing with supplements is this. So there are things like black cohosh and soy that are weak estrogens or chaseberry fruit that's a weak progesterone. Um, but they have done studies. We have done studies to look to find out whether using these supplements would mitigate any symptoms. And it hasn't yet been shown to be better than placebo. So, so maybe there's some placebo effect to taking it. And then, you know, there is a temptation for me to say, well, what's the harm? You know, you can try it and see if it's better. But the truth is, you know, supplements aren't regulated by the FDA, right? So we don't know if, if a bottle that says it has this much black cohosh or soy, X amount of this and that actually has that amount. Like no one's necessarily regulating that, right? So that's one of the concerns with supplement use is that it's not a regulated industry. In order for me to say whether a particular supplement, what are the risks, what are the complications and long-term effects, it has to have been put through rigorous F, you know, trials to get FDA approval. So you keep hearing about with the coronavirus the or COVID with the phase three trials, right? So most of these drugs have to be put through clinical trials to show, to prove a couple of things, to prove that they are effective, that they do what they say they'll do, to talk about what the most common side effects that you can expect are and what are the long-term risks and complications. Well, we don't have that with, with supplements that we buy in the drugstore. And for that matter, we don't have that with another popular type of therapy, which is the bioidentical compounded hormones. There are FDA approved bioidentical hormones, but the, but the ones that are made in compounding pharmacies, we don't actually have that same level of regulation. There is some regulation, but there can be variance in as to what they are giving as well. So the long-winded answer is we don't have any data to support their use and I can't speak to their risks because they're not, they haven't been studied thoroughly, right? If a patient comes to me and says, I've been taking this, it helps me so much. I really don't wanna take anything else. I'll say, okay, well then, whether it's placebo effect or not, if you're feeling better, that's important too, right? Totally. All right. So this is like the big mama I think that people are, are most like interested in or thinking about. Can you talk about menopausal hormone treatments? I think hormones in general scare people, especially in beauty. Hormonal acne, you know, when you talk about birth control, like weight gain, things like that. You're going through menopause, you're, you're doing everything you can. Let's talk about the, the hormone treatments. What, like, what are the options there? Who are they good for? Who are they maybe not good for? And, and what is your personal take on everything? So that's a really hard question to answer in general, because it's really going to depend on the individual patient and their medical history and their, and their complaints, right? Like I told you guys earlier, if they're not complaining of hot flashes, but just vaginal dryness or just depression, that might change what I recommend for treatment. But in general, with hormone therapy, as I said, you need estrogen, but estrogen now can be delivered in different ways. So you can take it orally, you can take it through the skin patches, there are gels and creams, and there's a vaginal ring. And I'm right now I'm talking about FDA approved and they're both bioidentical estrogens and synthetic estrogens. Anybody who's on estrogen has to also be a postmenopausal woman. I mean, not pre, but a postmenopausal woman who's on estrogen and has a uterus, meaning she hasn't had a hysterectomy also has to be on progesterone because if she takes estrogen alone, it can cause uterine cancer. So you have to be on progesterone at the same time. So that's why women get them together. My take on it in general is if a patient's quality of life is impacted 
strongly enough. And this is where I need to talk to them and help them think about it sometimes, ask the right questions. Hey, have you tried lifestyle modifications, putting on the fan, dressing in layers? Have you been working out? Are you are you truly eating well before we just chalk this up to hormones, your weight gain up to hormones? But if we suss out that, you know, yeah, this just, re- I'm miserable. I'm It's affecting my quality of life, my work, my social functioning. I can't sleep. So therefore during the day, I'm a nightmare. You know, maybe she's not having hot flashes, but just sleep disturbance. Then I have no, I have no qualms with prescribing it. Um, hormone replacement therapy, but I always try to give the lowest possible dose. And we have a lot of data now showing that the transdermal estrogens, estradiol bioidenticals um, that are given transdermally can be less potent and have less side effects. So that's usually where I start with for a patient. Are you talking about the patches? Patches or even creams or lotions. Again, it depends on the patient. There's pros and cons to all these methods or the ring is technically transdermal. Oh, right, yeah, going yeah. through the mm-hmm. vaginal skin. That's usually mm-hmm. where where most of us start now. And then in terms of who wouldn't be a good candidate, well, if you've had a blood clot, estrogen can increase the risk of blood clotting. It's a very small increase. So any medication you take, you should always ask yourself, what are the risks versus the benefits, right? Well, I'm miserable. I'm not functioning. I'm not sleeping. I can't have sex. I can't whatever, right? Like, so those, those are the, the benefits would be getting rid of those kind of symptoms. The risk might be a slight, a very slight risk of blood clotting. But if you have no prior history of blood clotting, no inheritable tendency towards blood clotting, no risk factors for it, then that's a tiny risk, right? Women with breast cancer, we can't give estrogen to because many of them have estrogen receptors in their in their cancers. So then there are other options for them. Women with heart disease, which is often a blood clot to the heart or a blood clot to the brain is a heart attack or stroke, right? So those women may not be candidates. Uh, does insurance usually cover these treatments? Yeah, yeah, most of the time, every now and then I have a woman that says they won't cover that particular drug, can you give me another one? And so then we try to fish around with the insurance formularies, but they're getting better and better about tra- covering more. That's great. They used to only cover the synthetic oral ones, which people have concerns that perhaps those are those have more health risk than the bioidentical transdermal ones. When it comes to estrogen in general, like, are there other issues that women may go through that you may recommend these um, hormone treatments for outside of menopause, or is is like, are they is are we allowed to? I don't even know. Like, I feel like I don't even know. Well, when you think about, okay, so like that, when you take the birth, you brought this up earlier, the birth control pill, it's estrogen and progesterone, right? It's just different, different type of estrogen, different type of progesterones. And they're actually more potent than what postmenopausal women get. They're actually stronger. Um, So that's an example of somebody needing hormones for something outside of menopause. Um, When women have bleeding irregularities, really heavy bleeding um, uh, or really painful periods, we've all had friends that are curled up in bed. You can use hormone therapy to help them birth control pill can be used to treat acne and PMS um, and ovarian prevent ovarian cysts, which if they got big and rupture, they could require surgery. Um, I feel dumb for asking that question now that I'm like, oh, duh, birth control, no, no, no. duh. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to make it sound like hormones are the end all. You really have to think of risk versus benefits. So it used to be in um, my mother's day that if you walked in and you'd gone through menopause, they wrote your prescription because we thought that it was just so overwhelmingly beneficial, even if the patient had no symptoms, that it might dramatically reduce the risk of heart disease. And that has actually been refuted, right? So now we just treat, we're not just giving it to everybody just because they've gone through menopause, but if you have symptoms that are affecting the quality of your life and the, and the non-medicative options haven't helped you, then it's absolutely fair game. And you know, hopefully a 50-year-old has another 50 years to live and we don't want them to be miserable and unhappy and you know uncomfortable in their own skin 
Exactly. Dr. Varky, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and education with us. You have a website, obviously, I I would hope, um, because that's where I found you. Yes. And you have something called Gyno Talks on it, where you go and you share information, not just with your clients, but, you know, with people that just want to learn more. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I started another health education platform called Gyno Talks. I have my private practice, which I love. And I spend a lot of time doing what I just did with you with individual patients um, on regarding menopause or what are your contraceptive options? Or let me teach you a few things about STDs that no one taught me and that most of the women that walk in my office of all ages don't know. I have this goal that I would love to, to do these, to educate larger number of women at the same time, kind of like what we're doing right now, right? Like I was able to just hopefully educate a huge number of women in one blast. Um, So I'm doing Zoom presentations for small groups, 10 to 15 women who want to learn more. And if it's like a pre-college age group, then I can teach them about contraception, STDs or menopause or or whatever. So yeah, so it's easy to set up and um, I feel like I can uh, hit a larger audience that way. That's so helpful. Totally. It's a different form of telemedicine. Yeah, it's fun. It's my little passion project on the side. Love it. Thank you, Dr. Varky. I... I'm going to come see you soon, Abby. Okay. Yay. <laughs> we should have you back on to talk about STDs, like literally everything. I think there's a lot of ground to cover there. Happy to do it. Yeah. And if anybody wants to learn more about the Gynotox uh, educational sessions, they can go to gynotox.com and, and connect with me that way. Thank you, Dr. V. Thanks for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 